Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook Podcast. The Different Skill Notebook is a tool for parents and educators to equip children and teens with the social, emotional, and independent skills needed to thrive in their life. The Different Skill Notebook is the result of the work of Dr. Sandra Savinelli and Anand Salma at the Social Mind Center. They found that parents and educators cannot always identify the skills needed to overcome some of the barriers that the child is experiencing to learning and thriving. The notebook identifies the different skills, tools, and resources needed to overcome some of the learning barriers and differences that are experienced by children and teens today. These are different times, requiring different skills and tools. Join us as we share our smart conversations with our parents, educators, and colleagues to give children the life skills and social adaptation needed to thrive in environments that keep changing. Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. I'm Anna and Selma, your host, and today we're going to kick off a series called The Skills Behind Independent Living. And um, it's so important, independent living, self-regulation. So we're going to get into that. And I think last year, one of my thoughts were, we were talking a lot about anxiety at the center and children struggling with anxiety. And then I always try to think of what is behind all that or what is the core that's impacting that. And I think that after two years since we've been living with the pandemic, it's going to be two years soon, we have to examine that most of our daily routines have been restructured or sabotaged in some way in an effort to control the pandemic, right? Like our schools shut down, then some schools now are not closed, but we're dealing with all sorts of issues. Nevertheless, I don't want to get into the issues of what the pandemic has done, but it's definitely altered our schools, our work, and our community, which are highly stabilizing organizations in our lives. And I don't think we realize that till the pandemic. You know, they're all taken away, especially for our children. Um, We didn't really understand. I think we had a concept that, oh, you know, schools are great for kids. But we didn't really know all the things that schools do for us as a community right? So I want to get into that. And I want to get into why some kids have been struggling with home learning, why that is, what are the issues behind that. So we're going to start a series talking about self-regulation, the group of skills or a cluster of skills behind us self-managing ourselves, which is probably the most important thing if we're coming to work at home in a home office, if our children are going to sit in front of a computer for hours a day, self-regulation really comes into play here, right? As so many of you experienced online learning was either a challenge or a catastrophe. It did work for some children. Some children have transitioned to homeschooling permanently, but how is how is that so? So that's what we want to go back into. How can some kids go into homeschooling and that's better for them and that's 
that type of structure is better for them. And then some kids are struggling with online learning. So we want to go into all that and we want to go into what is self-regulation. So this episode is going to be really quick. We're just going to go into pretty much a word bank, right? Like what is self-regulation? What is behind self-regulation? And kind of teach you about those skills, which are so important. I would say these are the most important skills for your child's life, for any child, right? If you have a child with a special need or a learning difference, it's even more important because it takes them longer to learn these skills, right? Most learning differences or, you know, neurological development challenges like autism or ADHD, they really impact the ability for the child to acquire these skills. Now, one very important thing I need to tell you guys is that we are not born with these skills. We um, develop these skills throughout our life right? And then when we have a learning difference or a learning disability or just a neurodiversity, let's just call it neurodiversity because now we have different people that learn different ways. It may be a little more challenging for these children or individuals to acquire these skills. So it makes it even more important that we focus on how can we get them those skills, right? So um, quoting the Center on Developing Child at Harvard University, which is a great site for you guys to visit. It has really great information. And you can go to my Different Skill Notebook blog, and it's all listed in there. So don't ever think you need to jot down everything I'm saying in the podcast. It's always on our website, Social Mind Center, right? So this is a direct quote. I want to make sure that you guys hear the whole thing. As essential as they are, they're referring to self-regulation and executive function skills, which are intertwined, right? As executive function skills result in self-regulation, right? So you need executive function skills and there are a lot of skills. Everyone sometimes refers to executive function skills as one or two skills like organization. And it really isn't. It's like a, think of a big cluster of skills, right? It's, it's kind of nine skills, nine to 10 skills that are under that category, right? As essential as they are, referring to executive function skills, we are not born with these skills that enable us to control impulses, make plans and stay focused. We are born with the potential to develop these capacities or not, depending on our experience during infancy, throughout childhood, and into adolescence. Our genes provide the blueprint, but the early environments in which children live leave a lasting signature on those genes. Okay, so I want you guys with young children to really pay attention to that because there's a lot of choices that we make as parents that can have a lasting impact on our children's future. And we want to take that seriously, right? So in this post, we're going to focus on identifying the skills that lead to self-regulation and self-management, right? And those are called executive functioning skills. And there are three categories under executive function skills. And from those three categories, all these other skills come up. So think of it as, I don't know, what comes to mind now is an octopus, right? The head is the brain, right? The brain. And then there's all these tentacles, right? And there are these three main tentacles and it's working memory, cognitive flexibility, and impulse control. So it's working memory, cognitive flexibility, and impulse control. Those are three big 
skills that come from our brain manager. Different psychologists call it different things. There's all these great names. To me, the one that resounds the most with me is the dashboard of your car. Think of it as the dashboard of the car that just tells you you know, what your body temperature is. Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you angry? Is Are you really anxious? Are you in pain? You know, so that your brain can determine the right response for that feeling, emotion, or situation. And what happens is for some of our brains, that dashboard isn't working correctly. So it isn't giving us the right information. Therefore, our response isn't on target to the situation. Okay. We'll get more into that, but just know the behaviors that result from these skills working together effectively are self-regulation. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Well, there are kids that have weaknesses in different areas and it could be a weakness. What's the difference between a weakness and a diagnosis? Well, the difference is a weakness is something that is mild, you know, sometimes the child struggles with this or the adult. When you get a diagnosis, it means that it's at a clinical level, meaning that it's a persistent thing. Like it's a really big struggle for this child. For example, in working memory, working memory is what holds our phone numbers, right? If you're going to complete a multi-step direction without reminders, you need to hold some information. It's kind of like a mental post-it note, right? Your mind holds on to this information for that moment that you need it, right? You're reading a paragraph and you need to answer some questions. You need to remember what was in that paragraph to answer that questions like in reading comprehension. For younger children, it's learning sight words. Every day, all throughout school, it's remembering directions like, oh, put away your folders in your desk, and now we're going to get our math books out, and we're going to go to page 25. That's a daily instruction in school. So if you have a very poor working memory, you might just stay at put away your folder, and the other two you might need to be reminded of right? Not a big deal unless the teacher has to do it 25 times a day for your child. Then it becomes a big deal and they need a different tool or different resource to fill in that skill gap, right? The next one is inhibitory impulse control, right? And I'm going to give you some of the skills that result from this. This gives you a better chance, but it's basically our ability to hold back right? To hold back our distractions, our desires to get things done. Like this is something that really impacts goal-driven behavior, right? That's what self-regulation is. It's goal-driven behavior, right? So you, you wonder to yourself, why can some people are so diligent and can accomplish goals one after the other? And why do some people just, just struggle with holding a job, right? And impulse control can be part of that, right? And that's a very big factor in ADHD. Now, again, children with a diagnosis of ADHD, just like autism, they come in a thousand million variables. Not every single child is the same. So a child can have ADHD and have impulse control issues, and some do not. Some have issues in other areas, right, of the executive skill group right? So when you can control your impulses, this is what it looks like. They waits, raises hand, waits to be called on, ignores distractions, stays seated, 
keeps hands to self, not touching things or others, follows group instruction without disrupting, keeps body in the group. Now, every child has a moment or instances, maybe even several times a week where, especially if you're talking young kids, preschool, kindergarten, where they need support and guidance and structure to keep these, and they need to learn about it. Like a child needs to learn, they need to raise their hand and not blurt out an answer. So we want to remember that because um, I work a lot in the schools and I talk a lot to teachers. And sometimes there's like this assumption that all the kids know this. Never assume that. Never assume that a child knows they need to raise their hand before speaking, especially in the earlier years in, in preschool. We're learning that. We're learning how to live in a community or how to be in a school and what is the expected behavior in a classroom. Those always have to be outlined continuously, right? Because if we go back to kids with working memory issues, they might have forgotten that rule. So it needs to be repeated pretty much or kept in the classroom or reminded when you sit down for circle time or we're going to have a group discussion. Okay, guys, let's let's remember to take one turn at a time, you know, um, raise your hand or even in Zoom, we have the raise our hand, right? So now we go to cognitive flexibility. Cognitive flexibility allows our brain to shift from one thing to the other. So transitions from one activity to the next, starting a new task before completing another one, switches from one topic to another. So you switch from class to class. You switch the way or shift the way that math is going to be introduced. You move into a new subject. Kids with flexibility issues, cognitive flexibility issues can be very rigid, can be very controlling. They want to control their environment because they're not able to flex that easily, right? They're not able to embrace change very well. And I think cognitive flexibility, we've been seeing all over the world, especially with COVID, we see that adults are extremely inflexible. They've not adjusted well to the rules of the pandemic or to what the requirements are to control the pandemic, good or bad, whatever your opinion is, we see people losing it on TV all the time because they cannot flex. They cannot shift their mindset from this reality to the other. Now, this is an incredibly important skill. I would say working memory and pulse control are as well, but cognitive flexibility can be a barrier to learning because it's almost like some kids get stuck and they shut down when they get stuck and there's no learning coming in. So the reason these skills are so important is because they can really be a barrier to learning, right? And what we want our kids to do is learn the most they can. They can block that process. So this is why these skills matter. They can block the learning of independent living, of the ability for a child to live alone, to have a job, to be productive as well. You know, in order for us to be productive, we have to be able to control our impulses. We have to be able to remember our to-do list to some extent. And if we can't, that's why we write it, right? That's why we all have smartphones and the smartphones tell us where to be, what to do, what's our schedule. But there needs to be the setup of those systems to sustain the regulation, which some kids cannot independently or children cannot independently set up these systems. So as parents, teachers, educators, and people that are involved in our child's education, we have to make sure that we set up these systems 
for them. So if they have weaknesses in these areas, they can always rely on a structure or a system that's going to help them fill that gap, right? So when you go to um, Different Skill Notebook at socialmindcenter.com, you're going to see a word bank. And in this word bank on this article, right, it's the first intro article to this group of skills that we're going to be discussing in the next couple of months you'll see a word bank and you'll also see resources of additional areas that you can look at to really educate yourself on this. But I actually recorded one podcast prior to this one and I am meeting with one of our clients and her name is Cynthia and she has a son um, on the spectrum Jackson, and we're talking about the systems that she's placed in our home and outside of her home to help him regulate. And these systems are not exclusive to autism. They can be implemented in any child's life. I would say it's more for preschool, kindergarten, and first grade, but you may have a child that's a lot older and you still may have not gotten to implementing these systems. So you definitely want to hear our next podcast on that. I look forward to sharing that with you. And I look forward to sharing with you with many other clients and their experiences, their challenges, and setting up systems for their kids and kind of what they've learned through the process, which I think it can be very helpful to parents who, you know, may have children that, you know, aren't the most organized, aren't the most you know, um, regulated or struggle with some of these issues. And then if you have children that don't have these issues, right, right now they're doing great in elementary school. This is stuff you need to know for when they get to middle school, because in middle school, you go from one classroom to seven classrooms. So you might've had great organizational skills and self-management skills for elementary school, but then now you get into middle school or high school and the game completely changes, not to mention college. And we'll talk about that because I have a daughter who's in college now and I have a son who's a senior. So I'd like to share those experiences with you. And hopefully I'd like to share the experience of my son now that he's a senior and has gone through high school, some of the skills that he's acquired and some of the shortcuts and, you know, ways that he used certain tools to help himself fill that gap, that skill gap. Okay. So I look forward to our next session. Please make sure to check out our blog and our website and always know that you can schedule a free consultation with me through our website and it contacts me immediately. Thank you for your time and talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining us at the Different Skill Notebook. The script is available on the Podbean site and at socialmindcenter.com. We can also be reached through our website.